Welcome to the Living Hope Church podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. We pray that you are blessed by the sermon. Uh, We act as a resource, um, this podcast, to provide you with weekly sermons from our church um, and that you would be encouraged on your drive to work or encouraged at home when you're cleaning, that this would be an encouragement for you. And so we pray that you were blessed by the sermon today. So let's get into the sermon. I would like to invite um, you to join with me in welcoming Tracy Moore. She's our guest speaker this morning. But before I do, I just want to just offer two points to keep in mind um, about this. We're in a series where we're asking questions that the world is asking, our culture in particular. And we are looking at scripture and looking at how do we navigate as believers? Because some of these questions challenge trust or faith in Jesus. And if the church doesn't, isn't offering any questions, guess what? They have no one to turn. They're supposed to be turning to us for the answers to those questions. So that's why we've been going over, reviewing what are the answers? What answers can we provide in order to make space for conversations? And with this topic of homosexuality, it almost makes you go, Ooh, do we really want to talk about this? This is a pretty, um, can be pretty inflammatory in our culture. Uh, but there's something we need to remind ourselves of, of why we're addressing this. You know, Jesus was known for hanging out with the outcasts of his society, particularly the outcasts of the religious people. Um, he was known for hanging out with tax collectors and sinners. In fact, listen to what he was charged with, how the Pharisees, the religious group at that time, uh, kind of accused Jesus of. This is from Matthew eleven nineteen. Jesus summarizes by saying, the son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. So think about this. Jesus, without sin, was able to find a way to love the outcasts. And he was with them. He didn't love them from a distance. He was right there with him. And yet his holiness was not at risk. Folks, there's a way that we can learn as the church to reach out to the outcasts of our society, to those who feel rejected by the church and show the love of God, to show the love of Jesus. That's why we are handling this topic this morning. Let me give you another reason why we have a guest speaker. Let me put you in a situation that your car needs work. So you go to the shop, you ask the guy at the counter, my car needs repair. He says, all right, I got two people who can help you out. He turns to one side, there's a guy in mechanic's uniform, you see his name, and behind him you see a bunch of plaques on the wall with his name on it of awards of excellence in being a mechanic. And that kind of catches your attention. The guy at the counter points it, here's the other one. It's a six-year-old boy, sucking on a sucker, spinning around on a large stool. Which one are you gonna pick to fix your car? The first one, right? 
Ladies and gentlemen, I, on this topic, am the six-year-old boy with the sucker. Tracy is the mechanic who knows what she's talking about. She has a science background. She also has spent, uh, what, almost 25 years loving on this community, being Jesus, so that this community, the homosexual community, can see Jesus clearly. Because guess what? We're not doing, as the church as a whole, we're not doing a good job. And so that's why we want somebody who can help us to learn and grow and be better so that people see Jesus clearly. So I'm going to possibly make some noise, but I'm going to take this mic out. And Tracy, I'm going to ask you just to stand up here, if you would. I'm just going to ask her a few kind of get-to-know-you questions. Um, yeah, I just need a quick push, and there you go. Go ahead and talk a little bit, Tracy, Is just to make sure. Yep. Yep. Okay. You're on. Good. Good. All right. So Tracy, just really quick. Um, where are you from? Um, I've been in Cleveland Heights, Ohio for 42 years. I'm born and raised in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Okay. All right. I'm sorry. I, I always think of the Looney Tunes with Bugs Bunny yes. always saying, oh, I took a wrong I turn at Albuquerque. Um, so that pretty we'll, much describes Albuquerque. Yeah. Okay. Very good. <laughs> so it's okay to take a wrong turn there. Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. Very good. All right. So uh, you you live and work here. Um, uh, what church do you go to? I belong to a wonderful home church community called Living Stones Communities, and I want to acknowledge that my leadership is here. My mommy and my daddy are here. <laughs> Mike and April Ferris have come from Cleveland to intercede for Thank me. You. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Thanks so much for being here. Appreciate it. Um, Let's see. Uh, how about your family? Um, um, married? How many kids? All that fun stuff. Uh, my wonderful, beloved, awesome husband went home to glory 11 and a half years ago. He beat me there. Gosh, darn it. Um, we have two sons, Michael and Tom. They're both married. Uh, Tom and his wife live in the UK. They work for the DIA, Defense Intelligence Agency. Mm -hmm. I don't know what they do. I'm not allowed to know what they do. But I will tell you, it gives me confidence to know we have Americans like that working to protect the world. Mm -hmm. they, they really work in the world. Yeah. And then my um, oldest son and his wife and my awesome, wonderful, best four-year-old in the whole world live uh, about uh, 15 minutes from me. Very good. Yeah. Very good. Well, let me uh, pray for you. Just so you know, Tracy's going to be available for questions afterward. So please um, take note of any questions that come up. She's willing to clarify and just help you with with whatever questions come up as she presents, okay? But Heavenly Father, just in the name of Jesus, your son, the powerful name, the most powerful name that there is, we ask that your authority comes down right here in this place and that we hear from you through Tracy. Lord, you have called us to be your witnesses. Help us to grow in being witnesses to this community. Just to be ready, to be ready to be a witness. We ask that you speak your grace and truth through her right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Tracy. Amen. Thank you very much, Pastor Matt. And I want to also thank the Board of Elders for allowing me to be here today. Um, say hi to my friends, Mario and Jordan Register. So good to see you again. Um, I really feel more like that six-year-old with the sucker in the mouth twirling on the stool. Um, I don't know why the Lord has given me this, except that I prayed a very dangerous prayer many years ago, I said, Lord, break my heart with the things that break yours. And if you can imagine 25, 30 years ago, 
suddenly having a burden and a passion for those struggling with same-sex same attractions and their sexual identities, nobody would have chosen that. So I know this is from the Lord. This is a very passionate issue for me. I meant to bring up my tissues because I will probably cry at some point. I am one of those that weeps with, the, with those who weep, and I rejoice with those who rejoice. And I forgot to start my stopwatch, so I'm going to start it because I have a tendency to do lots of rabbit trails. I want to commend this church very much for tackling the hard issues of faith. There's a lot of faith-shaking questions out there. I particularly commend you for being willing to talk about homosexuality. I really don't believe the body of Christ has, has covered this topic well. We've either endorsed it and encouraged it, which breaks God's heart, or we have shunned it and condemned it, which should break your heart, or we've ignored it, which has caused confusion and hopelessness, and it gives the enemy of our souls open season Thank you, Mario. Open season to attack even more. I'm going to speak from my heart this morning because I truly want you to know, I want you to hear the heart of God. I love those who are struggling with same-sex attractions. I love those with the love of Christ who are really struggling with who they are in their sexuality. There's a lost and hurt and broken world out there, and we're not reaching it. And um, just for clarity's sake, I will use the term gay. I don't like that term. The enemy has stolen that term because there is nothing gay at all about being homosexual. They may look really good on the outside, but trust me, when you sit and talk with them, you will hear the pain and the heartache and the hopelessness and the loneliness. So why did God make me gay? This is definitely a faith shaker for sure. All of us, all of us know and love someone who is struggling with same-sex attractions or a gender identity disorder. It may be your son or your daughter. It may be a best friend. It may be a coworker. It may be a neighbor. It may be your spouse. It may be you. And you may have asked, or maybe you've asked yourself if you're struggling with this, that very question, why did God make me gay? And that can be a very difficult question to answer as a Christian, particularly in our culture today. If you've been in church, if you've read your Bible, you know the scriptures. You know in Genesis about Sodom and Gomorrah, about Noah and Ham. You've read all the scriptures in Leviticus, Romans. 1 Corinthians, that condemn engaging in same-sex behaviors of physical intimacy. I want to emphasize that, same-sex behaviors. Okay, I'll clarify that in a minute. If you know somebody, you love this person. You care for them. They're gifted, they're talented, they're funny, they're smart, and they're struggling. And you begin to think, well, why would God make them gay? Because God says that's bad, and, and in very strong language, it's condemned, and yet this is such a good person, and they love the Lord, and they do good things, and your faith begins to shake. How do you reconcile what the Bible says about homosexuality with what he says is his love for the world? How do you reconcile that? 
For God so loved the world. God loves you. Love, perfect love casts out fear. And yet these people are condemned. It really begins to take a hit to your faith, doesn't it? And your trust in God can begin to wane. I want to caution you if you start to Google this kind of stuff. What do the scriptures say? You're going to come up with a lot that are condemning. You may also stumble across something that I call gay theology. And I want to caution you against that. The enemy is crafty, right? He loves to take a little bit of truth and mix it with a little bit of lie, a little spoonful of sugar, makes the medicine go down. Because if you really start Googling this, you're going to find all kinds of literature. And I will tell you, search engines love to push that to the top. That will say, God made you gay because he loves you. You are special. You will find whole commentaries that will say David and Jonathan were lovers. You will find commentaries that say that Jesus and John were lovers. And they speak with such authority. But if you will research the scriptures, you'll find that that is not true. That's a lie. The problem is most of us, me included, I don't know Hebrew. I don't know Greek. I don't Aramaic. You have to go to the original words to understand. We use the word love all the time, don't we? I love chocolate. I love my grandbaby. I love it when my Indians win. <laughs> all right. They're struggling. We, we, we got to talk. <laughs> I love baseball. And yet, those are very different kinds of love, right? So when you read in the scripture, this was the disciple that Jesus loved, that was not an eros love. I just want to caution you on that because many, many people who have been indoctrinated and brainwashed into gay theology and are probably living a very bold and proud gay lifestyle are going to throw these things at you and you've got to be prepared. We have an enemy, right? A very real enemy. And he is going to do everything he can to plant seeds of doubt into your faith, to find a crack in your armor, to get his toe in the door. Please don't take the scriptures out of context, nor take them in isolation. It's very easy to pull out a passage of scripture and beat somebody over the head with it, right? You've got to look at the context. You've got to compare it to the rest of scripture. And you've got to compare it to the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelations. So why did God make me gay? Short answer, he didn't. Now bear with me here, okay? It's not quite that simple. He didn't make you gay any more than he made somebody to be an adulterer or a porn addict or promiscuous or a liar or greedy or rebellious or prideful. Those are the work of the enemy. We live in a fallen world. We're raised by imperfect people. We are a work in progress. I'm a stinking mess some of the time. and God is still working on me. I am still on that potter's wheel being shaped and molded and hopefully prayerfully transformed in his image. We don't get to choose our temptations. They kind of find us. Sometimes they're going to find us because something has happened to us. We've been wounded. We've been hurt, often at a very, very young age. And I like to say that same-sex attractions 
are an outward manifestation of a very deep inward pain. I am a sinner saved by grace. You may not be able to see my sin as well as you might somebody who is struggling with their sexuality. That may be a little bit more obvious. People who have struggled this way have felt this way probably their entire life. Very, very, very young ages. That is why they feel like I was born this way, because they've never known a time they didn't feel that way. And I can promise you that every single person I have ever spoken to, and I don't know how many that is, I don't keep count, that's God's job. Every single one of them has told me a story that they have struggled with this from a very young age, but if you begin to get into a relationship with them, hear their heart and listen to them, you will find out there was a wounding. Someone or something hurt them at a very young age. And when that wound occurs, the enemy has an open door to come in and start putting in that root, that spirit of lies, that spirit of perversion, and it will grow in them and with them. I want to just make a quick note. We don't have time this morning, but I am a, a researcher. I did surgical research for several years. I'm a biochemist by training. I gave all that up to be a mom and a housewife. I really, that was my heart's desire, was to be a stay-at-home mom and a wife, and I say that very proudly. Um, I was told I was giving up my education, and I always laugh and say, yeah, I never talk to my kids. Um, but you will find absolutely no zero zip zilch scientific evidence that people are born gay. There have been many, many research studies published. Not one of them has stood the test of time or peer review. If you are interested in that, if that's your bailiwick, get a hold of me and I will send you the data. Several of them were actually done by individuals who were struggling with their same-sex attractions. They were trying to prove a point to make themselves feel better. One was indicted for research fraud. Remember, the, if, some of you are old enough. I see a few gray hairs out there for the, the Life magazine that said the gay gene had been found. Anybody remember that? The gay gene was found. Have you heard anything about it since? There's a reason for that. I will tell you scientifically, and maybe you are familiar with Dr. Carolyn Leaf, that as you entertain negative thoughts, your brain chemistry does change. And when your brain chemistry changes, your, your, even your body begins to change. So you're not, born that, you're not born gay, nor do they choose to be gay. It's not that simple. It's much more complicated than that. Just as each and every one of us is fearfully, wonderfully, awesomely, uniquely made. There are many, many reasons why people feel they are gay. Many reasons. However, while everyone is unique, there are many similarities, and they can be identified and battled against until further, complete, full healing occurs. It requires accountability. It requires a gifted and trained ministry team who will love you. It requires getting to the root issue of what caused this. You think about having a tree in your yard and you take off the top, new leaves are going to keep growing, right? Even if you cut it down lower, new shoots will still come out. 
You can't get rid of that tree until you get all the way down and dig up the root, right? And that's what it takes. That's what it takes. So why did God make me gay? God is a good God. And he is a good, good father. And he pursues us fiercely and tenderly. We are headed in the wrong direction. Any parent would. If you see your kid running into the street and there's a car coming, you're going to grab them quickly, right? God is going to pursue those who are lost and hurting. And if you have a child, if you have a loved one who is struggling with this, I want to give you some hope today, and I want you to know God knows your tears. God knows your heart. He has seen the pain, and I promise you God's working on your loved one. He is not going to give up, and he's not going to let go. He's going to pursue them fierce and tenderly until they are rescued because nothing breaks God's heart more than to have a child walk away in this way. We begin to believe and listen to lies. He will pursue us fiercely because of his faithful love for us. We all, at some point, begin to believe a lie about something, right? I'm not good enough. I'm not pretty enough. No one likes me. I'm stupid. I'm all these lies that come into our heads. God's going to come in and he's going to rescue. And it is a spirit of lies. It's a spirit of lies that takes our loved ones this route. Many people believe that lie and they're held captive by that lie. But I can guarantee you, I know many, many people who have been set free from this bondage and from the spirit of lies who are living fully in who they are in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Some people are set free in an instant. And for some people, it takes a long time. It is a real battle. Why is there a difference? I don't know. Ask God. Why did Jesus heal some with a word and some with a touch? And some were healed by the hem of his garment. And some he used mud and spit in their eyes. God has his ways. I don't know why, but I have literally seen people fall on their faces, cry out to God, and everything they'd ever dealt with was taken away from them instantly. I've seen others that have battled back and forth, a spiritual tug of war with a ministry team around them that would not let go. And it took a long time, but they were set free. Hallelujah. The most important thing to remember is nothing is impossible with God. Nothing. His hand is never too short that he can't save. So if you have a loved one, if you're struggling with this, you could be in your 70s and still struggling with this. There's hope. God is not going to stop. If you're seeking him, if you are submitting to him, he is going to rescue you. That is his heart. Jesus died to set the captives free. People who believe they are gay or are struggling with their sexual identity are believing a lie, and they are captive to that lie, and Jesus died to set them free. That goes for all of us. Jesus died for all of us when we were yet sinners. That's pretty powerful. So how do you answer that question if asked, why did God make me gay? 
First thing I'm going to tell you is it's a spiritual battle. You're going to be fighting this on your knees. You're going to be fighting this on your knees, praying and warring for that person relentlessly. You're going to have to make yourself really vulnerable. And I'm speaking from experience. You've got to be able to and be willing to weep and have your heart broken. Because you love this person so much, you don't want them to see the destruction that comes in this kind of living. You're going to fight this with everything you've got. You fight it with scripture. You fight it with truth. You fight it with perfect love. This is not as simple as pray the gay away. That's another term you may hear. You can't pray the gay away. Well, you can but it's not that simple. It isn't until, oh, Jesus, please rescue me from this. Thank you. Okay, done. It doesn't work that way. That's, that's kind of a, a funny way to think about it, but we know the power of prayer, right? Okay. The very, very simple answer I can give you is a four-letter word. It's a clean one. It's love. It is love. You've got to be willing to be Jesus to them. And that may mean getting dirty. You have to listen to them. I like to talk. I've had to learn to listen. You need to listen to the words they use, but most importantly, listen to their heart. Listen to their pain. Do not be quick to respond or judge, or throw scripture out at them. Listen first. Listen. Let them talk. Even if you disagree with what they're saying, even if you know that's not true, even if what they're saying is hard, okay? I can remember, the Lord does funny things with me. I was sent into Provincetown, Massachusetts once. If you know anything about Provincetown, it's the gay Mecca in the, in the East. And we were sent there. I didn't want to go, didn't want to go, didn't want to go. Thought sure my husband would say no. That was my out. And he looked at me and he said, oh, I think you're called to go. So I was stuck. <laughs> and I'm, I just said, Lord, who do you want me to talk to? And I walked up to a man that was not the one I would have chosen because he was angry. You could tell from the get-go this man's angry. He was this close to me, spitting in my face, telling me all the things he had done that week, that way. And I just went, mm-hmm. 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 He said, aren't you disgusted? I said, oh, completely. So, <laughs> but you're still standing here. I said, mm-hmm. And then he softened, and he said, why? And I had nothing to say except because Jesus loves you. And he doesn't want you to do that anymore. And this angry, big, hulking kind of a man, I mean, you can envision melted into a puddle into my arms. He was trying to get me to turn around. He, was, he knew I was a Christian. He knew I was there, you know, to, to save them. And I refused to walk away. One thing, I've heard it all. I'm in the, I did the medical field. Nothing grosses me out. It was disgusting. But I loved on him. Ask questions. Get to know them as people. Get to know their passions, their heart's desires, and their pains, and their hurts. Get to know them outside of their sexual identity. They're people. 
Hello. I've had people say, I don't know what to say to a gay person. How about, hi, good morning, how are you? We are all sinners saved by grace. This isn't some pariah. Get to know them. Listen to them. Ask questions. How was your weekend? I see you wear purple a lot. Do you like the Indians? Did you the game last night? You know, they're not just a one-facet thing. They're people. Get to know them. Love and affirm who they are as people, as God's creation, as someone fearfully, wonderfully, awesomely, uniquely made by the hand of an almighty God. See them as God sees them. Ask to have God's eyes. Lord, show me how you see this person. God created us, and he said it was very good. Not just good, very good. This very good creation is held captive by an enemy, and that should give you righteous anger to fight against the enemy and say, I'm taking this person back for God. You need to build a relationship with them that is outside of their sexual desires. That the only thing you ever talk about him is, so how's the gay stuff going? No. Get to know them. Have lunch with them. Do crossword puzzles. Go hiking. What do they like to do that you like to do? And it's okay to eat a meal with someone in public. I've even been into gay bars. My pastors are going now going, oh, God, I've got to rescue her again. You know what? They think I'm, I'm, they think I'm a lesbian. That's okay. I know who I am. I'm secure in, in who I am in Christ. Jesus went to the sinners. So if you have a really dear friend, you need to pray. But they say, let's go out to lunch together. Don't be embarrassed to be seen in public. That's awesome. They trust you. They want to be with you. You're building a relationship. And trust is the key. Relationship is the key. The old adage, people don't want to know what you, don't, don't care what you have to say until they know that you care, right? They've got to know you care. Let them see Jesus in you. Be Jesus. Don't try to be the perfect Jesus because we're not. Let them see Jesus in you. Let them know your shortcomings. Let them know when you mess up. Let them know you're not self-righteous. And if you are self-righteous, you're going to have to pray and get rid of that one. Listen, and then you pray on your knees for them as often as the Lord brings them to mind. And always, always, always tell the truth in love. Do not preach at them. Don't push tracks on them. Don't send them articles on the danger of homosexuality unless they ask. It can be very offensive when you know somebody is gay or lesbian or is struggling with their sexual identity and say, I was thinking about you and I want you to have this information because what you're doing is wrong. You just cut off every avenue that God has opened up with you. Let them know Jesus loves them. It sounds so simple, that old song, Jesus loves me, this I know. It sounds overly simple. It's not. Continually tell them, I know Jesus loves you. They may not like that. They may not accept that. But keep telling them, Jesus loves you. It's because Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you so much. Jesus loves you. Tell them what you know to be true about God. You don't have to be a Bible expert. You don't have to be, you know, some theological person. Just tell them what you know about God. What is God to you? What has he done for you? 
Where, what, have, what have you seen him do in your life? What are the promises of God you believe in that you have seen come true? You begin to speak your truth. You know, I used to have this. I know that God this. I've seen him work. Prayer, tell them your story. We overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony, right? Let them know you're a real person who struggles too, but tell them how God has worked in your life. Your faith will be built up and their faith will grow. Don't run in fear and don't pass this off to someone else. Oh, pastor, I just found out my best friend. I'm going to have her come talk to you, okay? They're your best friend. You talk to them. They know you. They trust you. You care about each other. And the reason they came to you and they told you their secret or they're sharing this with you is because they see something in you that they can trust. So don't be afraid of it. I know it's difficult. I know it's hard to get over. It took me a while. I had to get over my icky factor, okay? But as I allowed God to break my heart, it comes very easy now. To the point where if you're with me in public, God, my poor husband, oh Lord, what he went through. I can be in public and just, because I see somebody who is struggling and all I want to do is go over and hug them and just whisper, I know what you're struggling with and God loves you so much and I just want to tell you that. Kind of funny, I've had, I must have a target in my back because I have people just come right up to me. I mean, literally in public. I was having tea, I was having lunch with somebody in Terminal Tower in Cleveland, and a man just sat down. And I said, oh, you know, good afternoon. He goes, good afternoon, I'm gay, can you help me? And I said, well, sure, you know, we, we just sat and talked and exchanged phone numbers, and he left, and my friend said, who was that? I said, I have no idea. If they're coming to you and asking you, why did God make me gay? It's because they see something in you they can trust. Yes, that's awesome. They need Jesus. They need Jesus. We don't have all the answers. He does. We are called to be his hands and his feet. We are called to witness and make his love known to a lost and hurting world. It may be somebody who thinks they know Jesus but doesn't. You know, Sally, there's a lot of people who are sitting in churches around this, this world who say they're Christian and have no idea who Jesus is. You ask them, who is Jesus to you? They're going to have a hard time answering. They may have been hurt by church. They may have been wounded by church. They may have rejected church. You need to help them find Jesus first, okay? That's important. When they ask, be prepared to give an answer from within and do not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because he is the answer. If it's somebody who you know is a believer in Jesus and they're struggling, you got to help them too. We all struggle at times, right? Help them return to their first love. Help them return to the Father who made them. The healing will follow. This is on God. It's not on us. We just have to bring them to Jesus. They need healing. They need support. They need love and affirmation in a non-judgmental way. We all want to be loved and affirmed, don't we? You need to love them in a non-judgmental way. Love as Jesus loved. He loved the lepers and the tax collectors and the prostitutes. And I love that Pastor Matt even mentioned that. I was like, oh, I was going to say that. Be Jesus to them. 
be the body of Christ and surround them with men and women of faith who are going to tag team and love and pray and support and hold them accountable. Most of all, show them hope. Show them hope because they feel hopeless. They feel they're trapped. They feel there is no way out. If you have a child in this lifestyle, there's hope. Do not give up hope, even if it's been 15, 20, 30 years. Even if they're so far down the trail that you think they're never coming back, nothing is impossible with God. I can show you pictures of people you would swear was a man. And then I'll show you the picture of them when Jesus got a hold of them. You would not even recognize them. God is so good. If you're the one asking this question of yourself, why did God make me gay? Please reach out. There are people around you who love you. God's big enough. He can take it, and they want to help you. If you say, I don't know anybody, ask God. He will show you. He is not going to sit with his arms crossed going, nope, got to find him yourself. Nope. He is going to lead you to that person. It could be one of those weird chance outings in the terminal tower. You never know. But God is the one who will show you that person and will help you walk out of this. If your faith is shaking, then remember how Jesus fought Satan in the wilderness with Scripture and with truth. Okay? Remember the promises of God. God didn't make Adam a man for a helper. God made Adam and Eve. He meant for men and women to be together from the very beginning. He didn't make Adam and another man to help each other. That's truth, right? God does not approve of any sex outside of the marital bond. Okay? So we can't make this a special category. And if you look in the Bible, I've had gay activists yell at me, oh, yeah, then why did Abraham have two wives? And why did David have a harem? And I can turn around and say, yeah, what, what, did, that, what did that get them? A lot of trouble. Adam had a lot of trouble. I mean, uh, Abraham had a lot of trouble with his two children. David had a lot of problem with all those children all those harems. Solomon was taken down by the, his wives who were worshiping idols. Jacob, oh, he had problems with two wives. Woof. David fell with Bathsheba. God has a plan and a purpose, which is good. Remember the promises of God. Remember how faithful he has been to you. Faith shaking is hard. We all have faith shakes. We do. Even pastors have faith shakes. Wrestling with your faith is a good thing. Okay, I am thrilled this church is willing to take on the hard topics that can shake your faith. Because in that wrestling with your faith, in the questioning, in the, the working through it, your faith gets stronger and stronger and stronger as you see God doing something. The Bible is the inerrant word of God. Just because you don't understand it all doesn't mean it's not true. You can read it again and again and again and again and again and again. And something, all of a sudden, you, you get it for the first time. It's like, I read that passage a thousand times, and I suddenly understand it. Lean on the scripture and the truth. That's how Jesus fought Satan. His word is a mystery that gently unfolds the more we read it. It is not a sin to question God. 
It's not a sin to question God. You can ask him some really hard questions. For those of you who have children or had children or grandchildren, you know how children ask a lot of questions. A lot of questions. Why? Why? When? How come? And after a while, your patience is just running thin, and they ask questions. They're really, why is the sky blue from a three-year-old? Oh, this is going to be an easy one. But you know what? God's big enough. He's got a whole lot more patience than I had. He can take your questions. Ask God for help. Ask him how to answer. Ask him how to pray. He will answer. When you're having this face shake, when you've had someone in your family struggling with this, if you are struggling with this, you need to keep your relationship with Jesus fresh and know that he cares about you. Share your face shake with someone. You know, sometimes that's really hard. It's really hard to go and say, you know, my faith is really shaking. I'm really struggling with this. I am really leaning towards being attracted to my same gender, and I, my faith is shaking. You need to find somebody who's going to come alongside you. Maybe you're that person to come alongside them. Ecclesiastes 4.10 says, Two are better than one because they have good reward for their efforts. For if either falls, the companion can lift him up. Don't isolate yourself. Trust somebody. All of us know and love somebody, and we're afraid to tell anybody that our child, our grandchild, our neighbor, our sister, our husband is struggling with this. Tell somebody, do not let Satan steal your joy, okay? I also want to just quickly say being tempted is not a sin. We're all tempted. We live in a fallen world. We're all tempted every day. Giving in to the temptation, whether in thought or in action, is when you cross over into sin. The more and more often than not, we give in to temptations and we stumble, but God forgives, readily forgives. When we confess our sins and repent, He forgives again and again and again. Having a same sex attraction is not a sin, it's a temptation. Giving in to the temptation is the sin, but we have a forgiving Father. Please remember those two things, that's very important. His death on the cross made a way that all those things can be washed away. It is only the habitual sinner. It's the habitual sinner who purposely, rebelliously gives into the, gives into the temptations of same-sex attractions continually that is spoken about in such harsh terms in Scripture. And it talks about the sodomites and the adulterers and the fornicators. It isn't that you did it once, whoops, I'm now I'm not going to heaven. It's that habitual, continual, rebellious sin. There's a difference there. Do you understand what I'm trying to say about this with like all the Leviticus passages that get thrown out and get beat over the head over people? My goodness, if I was kept out of heaven because I gave in to a temptation and a sin, I think heaven would be empty. God will offer you an opportunity to repent as long as there's breath in your lungs. Amen. And I have sat death's side with several people, and I have heard they're repenting in the mere moments before they went to heaven, and they went to heaven because of the glory. It's awesome. So I want to leave you with this last truth, and I want to leave you with hope. 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 through 11. 
don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit God's kingdom? Do not be deceived. No sexually immoral people, idolaters, adulterers, or anybody practicing homosexuality. No thieves, greedy people, drunkards, verbally abusive people, or swindlers will inherit God's kingdom. Those habitual, continual sinners. Do you notice the group of sins he has together there? That's not an exhaustive list, but it's right in there all together. Here's the hope, verse 11. And some of you used to be like this, but you are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. I'm going to close with just a very quick personal testimony. My heart was so blessed this morning. Here come the tears. I was driving up here, and I had several people texting me and calling me and praying for me this morning. This is so, oops, sorry. For those of you who are listening, I'm really sorry. I talk with my hands, and I'm not Italian. Um, I'm Scotch-Irish. Um, but anyway, I, I got this phone call from a young lady, <laughs> a beautiful, beautiful, wonderful young lady who attends our church. And she's bright and bubbly, and she said, I'm at Whole Foods, and I just got in my car. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you because I'm so excited what you're doing this morning. And she prayed the most beautiful prayer for me. And in her prayer, she said, I want to thank you, God, for Tracy, who are the hands and feet of Jesus to me when I needed to be rescued. She thought she was a lesbian, and she's not. <laughs> she is a beautiful, talented, awesome woman who has found her identity in Christ, and she is a mover and a shaker in our community in the government realm, and I am so excited to see somebody like her moving in the governmental realm. You never know who you are going to reach just by loving them. God bless you. Thank you for giving me this time. Thank you for hearing my heart. Father, I just ask that you would bless this congregation. Father, just bless them for being so faithful to tackle the hard questions, Lord, from not running from things that are difficult, for being willing to embrace those who are struggling in their sexual identity. Father, I thank you for this church. And I pray, I pray, Lord, that those who have a family member or a loved one or are struggling themselves, that you will reach out and touch their hearts today, Lord. That they would know as they know as they know that you love them with an everlasting love. You will never leave them and you will never forsake them. I pray, Lord, that you will use this church to reach those who have been shunned and scorned and condemned and considered untouchable. For your glory, God, for your glory. Amen. Thank you. Praise the Lord for you, Tracy. Thank you for bringing those 
words. Thank you for just laboring in prayer and preparing and coming. It was, um, it was very touched. My heart was moved. Don't you want to stand before the throne and have Jesus say, look at the lives that you touched here on earth. Don't you want to see that? That's why we are wrestling with these questions because there are people who need the church to reach to them, to love them. Thank you so much, Tracy. You know what? Let's just end with singing about his amazing grace. I think we all stand in that grace of Christ. So would you stand as we close our service?